Well, we are doing a series right now called The Recipe, How to Spice Up Your Prayer Life. Uh, I'm Pastor Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here. This is our second sermon in a four-part series. Uh, Raise your hand if this past week you bought a journal or if you brought it, hold it up. Raise your hand if you bought one or if you got... Pretty good, pretty good. All right, the back row is really holy. And this middle section, not really sure, you know, if you guys just weren't hearing my message last week. There's Hollis in his jersey. I got you, I got you. Um, I, I, uh, we ran out, of, ran out of journals in the bookstore, and so I went to go buy some at, like, Target and Walmart, and, like, like no one had any journals, the ones that I, was, I wanted to get. So hopefully uh, a lot of you are getting in that and getting plugged into that. Um, I just encourage you to just take your journal with you. I'm going to leave mine in the car, and, um, you know, wherever I'm going, I'm, I want to make sure that I always have it. Um, one of the things that I do is I put my name and number in my journal because I take it with me wherever I go. And if I actually accidentally leave it uh, somewhere, someone give me a call and let me know, hey, I got your journal. Hopefully they didn't read it, but hopefully they're just, they just going to call me. In. Um, funny story, I was, had lunch with a guy this past week and um, uh, went to Fuji's and, and I had my prayer journal with him. And I sat down and he walks in and he's got his prayer journal as well. And I uh, didn't know he was going to bring his. So our lunch lasted two and a half hours. So it was really good. Um, and so if you get, come lunch with me and, and have Fuji's, then you never know how long that's going to be. But um, let me just explain a little bit of these post-it notes that you guys see on the walls, those of you that are maybe new. I know we got a lot of first-time guests here today. So on these walls are prayer requests. And um, the, all the green post-it notes are, are prayer requests. And then I encourage everyone to grab a yellow post-it note when you have an answered prayer request. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do this throughout the whole year. And so I just pray that uh, by the end of this year, these walls are just covered with these post-it notes. Uh, feel free at the end of service to you can grab one here. They're actually like at the corners of the rooms here, here, and then over there uh, by, the, um, by the resource table. we got some Bibles as well. If you want to come during the week and you want to pray over these, just give, give me a call uh, at this campus. Uh, I'm in and out throughout the week. Or if you want to come before service or stay after service and pray over them, please feel free to do that. And I'm uh, just really excited about what God's doing in our hearts uh, for prayer. Well, if you're on social media, the, uh, uh, the hashtag is the recipe for prayer. So if there's anything that sticks out to you and you want to put that on there, feel free to do that. Sermon notes, if you want sermon notes, just email info at bridgechurch.cc. Well, I want to talk about... Um, Seven areas of focus this year for our church. We had Vision Sunday a couple, a couple weeks ago. And I uh, just want to go over these seven areas that we really want to focus as a church this year. Number one, pray str- 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 strategically. Yeah, pray that. And um, one of the, a couple areas while we're doing that, that's why we're encouraging guys to have journals, uh, to pray strategically. And also, that's why we're doing the post-it notes as well. So that's just some areas and some reminders of us to, to just have a life of prayer. And uh, number two, serve him, not them. We said that when you serve people, you are serving Jesus. You're not just serving uh, the people that you're uh, doing something for, but also you're serving him. Number three, to be outward focused. Number four, an increased spirit of generosity to not have hands like this, but to have hands like this. And Pastor Farrell talks about it all the time, that if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. Uh, number five, 
to expect miracles. You know, we hear about miracles all the time. We hear about miracles happening in people's lives. We hear about God uh, doing miracles in churches. Why not us? Why can't God do miracles through the bridge in 2016? Why can't God do miracles through you and your family this year? So we're, so we're claiming that. We're expecting great things. God to do great things. Uh, number six, to own it. Um, you know, asking yourself, am I just going through the motions? You know, am I just attending service? Am I just a spectator? Or am I really owning uh, my, my relationship with God and, and having an impact on others? And number seven, make disciples. Make disciples. Uh, we are putting a, together a leadership development program this year that, that we'd love for anyone to go through. Um, we have a lot of business businessmen and businesswomen here as well, so we'd love to be able to, for you to go through that, and I really feel that that would be valuable uh, for you and, and, and your area, uh, of your field of area. Uh, Luke 22 records that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was arrested, tried, and crucified. And so we're going to look through this passage again. This is kind of our passage for the series here. Luke 22 39 through 46, we have this on the screen, or if you have your tablet or iPhone, whatever you want to look at, or even a Bible. Some people still bring Bibles to church these days. Um, And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone throws away. He knelt down and began to pray. I think that's important here. He knelt down. Um, You know, Jesus is fully God, fully human, but he has a reverence for the Father, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, God's presence strengthening Jesus at this time. And began, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from the prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. Now that's an interesting point as well, sleeping from sorrow. Um, have you ever been through something or been going through something that has been so um, maybe traumatic or have you, have you just been uh, depressed or, or whatever it is that you just wanted to go to bed? Um, this happened to me a while back. Um, I, there was just this heaviness that came over me and, and this sadness, and, and I just really, I, I couldn't really explain it. And um, I remember we had dinner at the, t- at the dinner table with my family, and I went to bed at 7 o'clock that night because I just, I just didn't want to deal with whatever it was I was going through. And just, I don't know if it was just a depression or, or what, but, but, but the disciples were feeling this grief and this sorrow. Even though they couldn't really fully explain it, they were feeling that as well. And it uh, and says that they went to sleep. And so Jesus said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That you may not enter temptation. So last week, we talked about the first ingredient 
in our recipe for a prayer life that will empower you and change your life is the prayer that Jesus prayed. His prayer was a prayer of preparation. Preparation. Today, the second ingredient in our prayer recipe is consternation. Consternation. Now, I, had, I don't think I've ever heard this word before. Um, I've heard of constellation and other words that start with C-O-N-S-T, and, but, I was, but I've never heard of consternation before. So what's the meaning of consternation? Well, in the context of this sermon series, the word consternation means disturbed or uncomfortable. Disturbed or uncomfortable. The application is simply this. When you pray strategically, you will know a peace that passes understanding. And in contrast, you will simultaneously experience a holy discomfort. A holy discomfort. Now, a consistent strategic prayer threatens in two ways. One, it threatens our spiritual enemy, Satan, who we believe is very real. Do you think Satan wants you to grow in your relationship with Jesus? No. Do you think he's just going to sit by and do nothing while you fall more in love with your Savior? When you lived in the world, you weren't a threat to him. You and him were going in the same direction. But when you go against the current... Satan hates that. He hates that. And you pick a fight with the enemy the closer you get to Jesus and the more you pray. But now you have God's strength to overcome. Now, some of you have been in a lot of fights throughout your life. I haven't. I'm more of a lover, not a fighter. Um, the only fight I've been in was when I was in sixth grade. Uh, we were playing football at recess, and uh, Toby and I, we were friends. Um, but uh, we got into it a little bit more, and uh, he ticked me off. I, I threw, a, threw a punch, completely missed. He popped me in the nose, and I fell to the ground crying, and I, my nose is bleeding. And that's the only fight I've ever been in before. So, but if I had to be, I mean, I could hold my own now. But, uh, but when we stop praying sissy prayers and start praying strategically, with authority in Jesus' name, watch out. Watch out. Because the enemy will try to bring discouragement, attack your marriage, your kids, everything that is precious to you when you get serious about praying. When you get serious, when you, get, when you have a strategy, when you cry out to God, he is going to to get ticked off, and he will do anything to attack you with. When you have a prayer strategy, there is also another enemy. Your humanity, your flesh, also pushes back against this new discipline. Your flesh, your flesh is selfish and only cares about itself. Your flesh seeks approval and identity from the things of this world on a consistent basis. You want me to give you an example? Social media. 
How often do you, I mean, I'm on social media, um, but how often do we try to find our identity and acceptance by if someone liked our comment or not? Or we look, we look and we compare. You know, we see, um, you know, this, this couple whose marriage is thriving and ours is falling apart, and then we just, you know, we just compare. And we try to, you know, we try to live our lives through other people and uh, who think that all have it together. Man, listen, no one's got it together. Like, have you ever seen anyone take a bad selfie of themselves? No. I want you to take a selfie when you wake up tomorrow before you do anything else and post it on Facebook. And that's, that'll be a little reality, all right? But, but really, what I, what I want to start doing more is in the morning, you know, I used to have some incredible times uh, with the Lord very early in the morning, and then I had four kids, and just trying to get them to school on time, and like rushing with breakfast and everything else, is like it's, it's a small miracle if I get them on time, but when I come to the office, I am, I've, I've done it some a little bit here this past week, but I'm going to try to do it on a consistent basis, I'm going to just spend a little bit of time with the Lord, I'm going to get out my prayer journal, we got the Bridge Devo. I encourage you guys to download the First Five app, Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, great, great app. Um, and, uh, and do that. Remember your identity first with him. Remember your value first with him before you try to find it on social media. All right? So just try to do that this week. Before you get on Facebook, see, some, a bunch of you are going to feel guilty now when you get on Facebook. And now get out your prayer journal. Just get before the Lord before you do anything else. All right? We're going to battle with our flesh until we take our last breath on this life. The Apostle Paul understood this. I mean, he wrote, wrote basically half the New Testament. In Romans 7.15, he said, I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Listen, if the Apostle Paul, who wrote basically half the New Testament, understood the struggle with the flesh, how much more do we have to understand it and grasp that our flesh does not want to grow closer to the Lord? The Holy Spirit, God's very presence that lives inside of you, wants to draw closer to the Father, but your flesh doesn't. Consistent, strategic prayer deepens your relationship with God, which causes you to have a heart that loves like Jesus. You have a sensitivity that you've never had before all of a sudden. What brings Jesus joy starts to bring you joy, and what makes Jesus weep starts to make you weep. All of a sudden, when you get serious in your relationship with God, you're deeply concerned for the spiritual health of your own family, friends, co-workers, community, and world. You constantly wonder where people will spend their eternity. Instead of holding grudges, and wanting to get even with people who hurt you, you now pray for them. 
and no one hurts people like family. Got some heads going out there, okay? Listen, man, you've done it. You've hurt family in a deep way. Family has hurt you in a deep way as well. It's amazing how we can say things to our family that we would not say to anyone else. Because we think, oh, they're just family. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll forgive. They'll move on. They'll forgive us. But when you know, you know God's working in your heart when you don't want to get even with your family. You want restoration. That's God. Your flesh doesn't want that. Your flesh wants, is prideful and wants to say, I didn't do anything wrong. They're the ones that need to say, forgive me. You know, they're, they're the ones that, that, that uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Uh, you know when God's doing a work in your heart. When you want restoration. You know you're getting closer to God when you care about people you've never cared about before. You know you're getting closer to God when you care about people more than that you've never cared about before. People that used to, used to be totally indifferent towards now become important to you. When God captures your heart, what comes out of, you, out of your mouth is different. And instead of cussing like a sailor, you start speaking encouragement to people's life. If there's anyone in, this, in the Coast Guard, just don't take any offense to that. It's just a saying, you know, or I should say like, you know, stop cussing like, like a truck driver. I did it again. You know, it's just a saying. When the words are different, man, I know, I know uh, there's some guys I know that were on social media that like I almost had to unfriend because every other oh, word was a cuss word or they were just posting like uh, dirty and filthy stuff. I mean, like I needed to take a shower whenever I looked on their wall. On their wall. And now like they're posting all this stuff about like how Jesus is just incredible. And, and people are like, what is going on with that guy? When the words you speak are love and encouragement. Uh, an example, I was talking with a guy this past week, and um, he started journaling as well. And he was telling me that he never saw his dad cry one time his entire life. Now, my kids definitely will not be able to say that. But he's saying, he's saying, man, Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, I've never seen my, I, would, I never saw my dad cry. You know, and, and we're, we're just, we're a different, de- we're a different generation. We're definitely a different breed. Um, you know, I guarantee that some of you who never saw your dad cried, you know, your dad never saw his dad cry. Um, but this guy's telling me, he said, he said, man, so I never saw my dad cry. So I was, I mean, I was never, I'm not an emotional guy. And I started coming to the bridge a couple years ago, and almost every stinking service, I cry. What is up with that, man? Because God is softening your heart. And, and you're, you're feeling things that you've never felt before. And you're sensitive towards things that you were never sensitive before. 
Everything is different, including what you watch and listen to. You know, when that, when that old salt and pepper jam comes on, there's like two people that know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when that salt and pepper jam comes on, and, or that band warns, with that one song, you know what I'm talking about? When that comes on, and uh, you know, that used to be your song. I mean, you wore that tape out, man. And all of a sudden that comes on, and you got your three-year-old in the back, and you cannot turn it fast enough to 92.3 his radio. Because that's not your song anymore. That's not your song anymore. I mean, everything changes. It's, it's, it's amazing, man. I, like, I'll, like I'll watch some movies that I used to watch, and I'll be like, I can't even finish watching them. Because I was so, like, desensitized back in the day of that stuff. But now I can't do it. When we become serious, disciplined, and intentional with our prayer life, we will experience a holy agitation, a discomfort deep within our spirit as we seek for God's will to be done in this world as it is in heaven. When we pray deliberate, strategic prayers that God's will be done in our individual lives, our local church, our community, our nation, our world, this kind of prayer also provokes the enemy to rise up and war against us. Prayer is wonderful. Prayer is a blessing and a privilege. Prayer will have a positive impact on our lives. But a strategic prayer is a declaration of war against the kingdom of darkness. And the result is a righteousness of uneasiness. Isaiah prophesies that our Lord will be a man of sorrows and with grief. Sorrow and grief followed him throughout his life. During Jesus' earthly ministry, we are told in the Gospels that he was grieved over the hard heart of God's chosen people, the Jews. He was so grieved over the suffering of a deaf man one time that he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh before he healed him. He had the same response of sorrow at the superficiality of Israel's leaders and was sighing deeply in his spirits. We also read that Jesus saw Jerusalem and wept over it. Jesus stood at the grave of Lazarus and wept because of his own grief of loss but also because of the unbelief all around him. You know, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And Jesus deeply cared about him. And when he died, it made Jesus weep. You know, do you know that Christianity is not just about forgiveness, but it's about friendship with God? We always talk about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And yes, that's, that's essential. I mean, without forgiveness, you know, we have to pay for our own sins, which we can't. And we'll, we'll spend eternity without Jesus. But even more so, Christianity is friendship with God. That's at the heart. And I know there's a lot of you that struggle with, with that. Um, this whole friendship with God. I mean, you can still have reverence and still have friendship. It's like, it's like you, you don't have to choose like one or the other. When I was in seminary, um, 
man, over like a decade ago. Um, I went to Asbury Seminary in, in, uh, right, outside, right outside Lexington, Kentucky, and, and I was on campus for about, um, about half my seminary, and then I did the rest uh, online. And one of my professors saw just by my posts in class and, and whatnot to my classmates and, and to him, saw how much I struggled with understanding God's friendship and his love for my life. He bought me a book and sent it to me called He Loves Me by Wayne Jacobson. And I guarantee you, you read that book, it will rock you. He loves me. What professor sends his student, buys his student a book because he knows how much he's struggling with an area? And I tell you what, ever since I read that book, I've thought about God in a whole different way. He is my best friend. He is. And I pray in 2016 that you, you fully grasp just how much a friend he is to you. You start using a prayer journal and you pray strategically, and you will become friends with God like you've never experienced before. Do you want that this year? Do you, you have to desire that. You know, my, my wife and I, we've been married 10 years, and, um, you know, I think about our relationship. Uh, you know, she's, she's drawing close to me, but I also have to draw close to her as well. It's like it's a two-way street. And and, and that's the same thing about how it is kind of in our relationship with God. You know, he's always going to pursue your heart. I mean, he wants to draw close to you. He's never like ashamed, embarrassed of you. But you've got to want that. Like you're as close to God right now as you want to be. You're as close to God right now as you want to be. Hebrews 5.7 focuses on the grief of this event. It says, in the days of his earthly life, Jesus offered up both specific petitions and urgent supplications for that which he needed with fervent crying and tears to the one who was always able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission to God, his sinlessness and his unfailing determination to do the Father's will. All through his life and ministry of Jesus, we clearly see the man of sorrow. It was sin, unbelief, rejection, ignorance, suffering, death. All of this gave Jesus grief upon grief and sorrow upon sorrow. Prayer will make you more like Jesus. Prayer will make you more like Jesus. So the point I wanted to make today could almost be considered a warning, and the warning is this. When you become intentional, strategic, specific in your prayer life, over time, your heart is drawn nearer to his. And the result of it is your heart, your perspective, your values become more and more like Jesus. 
what he values, you will start to value. What's important to him will become important to you. So now the things that please him also please you, and the things that make him cry now make you cry. This is consternation I'm talking about. Intimacy with Jesus brings great joy and celebration. Don't forget that. But also, intimacy with Jesus causes you to weep for the things that make Jesus weep. This past week, uh, it was at night, and my kids were in bed, and my wife was doing some work, and I wept and shouted out to God this past week for a couple I know who was pregnant and found out they lost their baby this past week. And I, I just, I literally cried out to God. And, and I, I, was, I was weeping, and I was crying out to God so hard that, like, I almost lost my voice. You know, I was up in the middle of the night a couple times this past week for over an hour, several times, thinking about what some of you are going through right now and what some of you are struggling with right now. Uh, shepherding a campus of over 300 people is no easy task. You know, I look at these prayer requests, I've looked at them several times, and i prayed over these prayer requests on the wall, and I know there's going to be more this year. I think about what some of you tell me in private because you trust me as your pastor. Um, you know, some people tell me some things that they don't even tell some of their family and, and some of their best friends. And, and, and I'm honored and, I, and I'm humbled by that. I think about some of your marriages that are falling apart and how some of you are just totally indifferent towards your spouse right now and, and I haven't seen some of you hold each other's hands in months. And some of you have become more like roommates instead of husband and wife. That kills me. I think about some of the men in here who are struggling with pornography and, the, and the, how that struggle is real because I, I had a struggle in that years ago as well, and so I, I, I know where you're coming from. I know where you're at. And, and some of you just, just cry before me and say, say, Pastor, I can't, like, I need to break free from this. You know, and some of you, you know, some of you are married, and some of you have kids, and some of you, you know, have little girls, and, 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 and I know you wouldn't want so, a guy, another guy looking at your, your little girl. You know, when she grows up, how that would break your heart as a dad. And I know you want to overcome that. I think about people in here who are addicted to drugs. There's a, there's a lady that, that's been coming that I haven't seen for months. And she's come the last couple weeks, and every time she walks through those doors, she tells me how many days she's gone without doing drugs. And I just saw her on Thursday, and she said, Pastor, 14. 14 days. And I just gave her a hug, and she walked in the worship auditorium. I think about some of you that are addicted to alcohol. You know loved ones that are addicted to alcohol, or, or some of you are addicted to pain medication. 
Think about the single moms in here who, who carry the burden of raising their children by themselves. And you are exhausted. You are exhausted. And you just, you just hope that your, that your number doesn't co- co- come up on the screen there because you just need a break for an hour. I think about the couples in here who have wanted to have a baby. And it's been five years. It's been 10 years. It's been 12 years. And you're wondering if it's ever really going to happen. And you see everyone else having babies except you. I think about the kids who act up in our, in our, in our, our bridge kids. You know, and, or you'll see, you'll see a parent drop off their kid and they're just screaming, you know. And you walk by and you'll be like, man, my kid never did that. Well, do you know what? That kid, his dad might be deployed right now. Do we have a heart for that? Do we have a heart for, heart, heart for some of our kids right now that, that are going through a really tough time and don't understand that dad's been gone for six months? We, this past week, we got together as a staff and we wept, man. We wept. We had, you know, some, some staff weeping and, and just crying out to God, like, this staff loves you. We love you. We're, we're here for you. We're battling with you right now. And it's, it's, it, it takes a toll on you. But you just rely on the Lord's strength to get you through. Because, you know, we got enough going on in our own families And then, you know, to carry the burden, I understand what Jesus went through. Just a little bit, I understand what he's going through. So some of you are saying, okay, pastor, we've been talking about this prayer journal. Show me how to put this thing together. All right, I got it. What do I do with it? So I want to get practical here in these last five minutes or so to show you guys how you can set this up. There's four basic categories of a prayer journal that we're talking about. Four basic categories. Um, and, I've, and I've really, I've been learning a lot from pastor as well and, and just kind of being more strategic, putting mine together. But number one, worship. Have, have, a, have a section in there for worship. Um, praise. You know, honoring God for who he is. Not just what he does, but who he is. That's Praise. Thanksgiving, honoring God for what he has done. Uh, this is where you, you can record answered prayer and, and prayer, record, prayer reports as well. Uh, thank God in advance for what he's going to do. Thank God in advance for what he's going to do because you know what? He's your father and he hears you and he will answer. Maybe not in the way that you want him to, but he will answer. You know, I thank, I thank God for the little things all the time. Um, this, this, this morning... Um, uh, I got up at five and God was putting some things on my heart and, and, uh, so I'm like, all right, God, I'm just going to pray, you know, and, uh, and, you know, it's cold and rainy outside and I was under the warm covers and I was just thanking God for like a house and I thank God for my warm sheets. Um, I, I, I thank God all the time for the littlest things. I thank God for my eyesight. I thank God um, 
just whatever, like, you know, for my kids' laughter. I mean, there's so many things. The more you thank God for the little things, it will make you appreciate the bigger things in your life. The more you thank him for the small things. There's so many things that we take for granted right now. Number two, have a, have a, have a personal section. Personal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a bunch of things. You don't have to write all of them down, but if there's a few things that, that stick out to you. Uh, spiritual health. You know, pray for your spiritual health. Pray for your family, for your physical health, um, for your finances, for your friends, for conflicts. Pray for your struggles. Listen, everyone in here has a struggle. Write it down in your prayer journal. What, what is it you are struggling with right now that God wants to help you overcome? Write down your worries. Like, get real before the Lord. I mean, I, like I said, I, my, my wife and my kids are going to read my journals one day. I've been doing them for 14 years, and they're going to blush when they see some of the things in there because of what I wrote. But it's to God. It's not for, it's not for anyone else. It's, it's, it's me and God. And I want to be real before him. What personal miracles are you asking the Lord to do this year? And how can God use you to see something happen, to see that accomplished? Have a section for the bridge. For the bridge. Do we have that one? The bridge. Have a section for the bridge. What about our seven areas of focus that we talked about earlier? And if, and if you need those again, I can, I'll let you know. But those seven areas of focus that we want to focus on as a church, for us to remember that it's his church and not ours, that, that the truth would always be declared in this house, for God to be glorified, for godly leadership, not just on staff, but in all, in all of our ministries. I mean, I'm, I, have, I have over, just at this campus alone, I have over 20 ministry directors and, and captains just at this campus. For guidance, for wisdom, for courage, for a, a succession plan. Pastor Farrell's got five more years, and then, and then he's off in the sunsets. He's made that known. So praying for that next guy who's going to be the senior leadership of the bridge. Who is that? Pray for that. A culture of generosity, a culture of transparency, that we would be real and, you know, we all got junk in the trunk, right? We do. We all got our issues. That we would have a, a culture of service in here. It's, it's just not, we just, like, wouldn't go serve, but we would live a life of service. What bridge miracles are you asking God for? You know, the bridge Goldsboro is going to need a bigger location. We're going to need a bigger location. So asking God to do a miracle. I've been praying that for, for years. You know, we're going to need to hire more staff at the bridge. We're, we're starting Mount Olive in October, and, and we're going to need another kids pastor, and, and we're going to need, you know, a kids pastor here eventually, and uh, guest services here at this location. You know, maybe some of you that are sitting there, maybe, maybe some of you will be in staff, on staff in the future. Who knows what God's going to do? What about the kingdom? Your fourth section of your prayer journal, the kingdom. 
the return of Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom on earth. He's coming back. Amen to that? The Bible and Christ-centered churches would reach more lost souls. Notice I said Bible and Christ-centered churches in our area. That's who I want God to bless. That more church plants would be started in Goldsboro. You know, we're not going to be done. I don't, I don't believe that we're going to be done with Mount Alf. I think we're going to have more locations in the future. And whatever God puts on that senior pastor's heart, you know, I don't know. But I believe there's going to be more, more campuses, more, more bridge campuses around this area. Denominal, dom, denominate, denominational leaders and systems for their courage and innovation and openness to change. I had coffee with a church leader this past week who was just frustrated that his church just doesn't seem to be going anywhere, and he wants to make all these changes, and he's just getting pushback. He said, Pastor, we got backlighting on our stage, and I'm getting grief about that. Man, I'm so glad. You could not pay me enough money to pastor a church like that. If you gave me $250,000 to pastor a backward church, I would say, forget it. Forget it. Listen, man, we're talking about sex next month. (laughs) Tammy's excited. (laughs) Listen, we will do anything to reach people for Jesus Christ. And you know you're doing it when you're reaching the lost and you're kicking off Pharisees and modern-day Sadducees who don't care about people at all. They care about themselves. Come on down. I'm going to calm down. I posted this past week on Facebook. As a believer, if you can't get excited about the life change God is doing in other churches in your community, you have to check your heart. Don't be inward-focused. Be kingdom-minded. God for Goldsboro. I hear it all the time, man, and it it ticks me off. And and, and if I hear people talking bad about other churches that I know that are preaching the gospel, I call them out on the spot because I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to put up with it because that's not kingdom-minded. That's being inward-focused. Come on, man. Thousands of people are coming to Jesus Christ throughout this community. Can't we celebrate that? Who cares if it's through the bridge? I, I, we pray for other pastors. I get together with other pastors. Let's come together and do what we can that we can't do separately. God blesses that kind of mentality. He honors that. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. And, it, and if you hear someone talking bad about another church, I want you to step up. And if they get mad, just tell them, Pastor Jeremy told you to do it. I don't care. Do you pray for the Middle East? Do you pray for America, the continents and countries around the world? Do you ask for God to give you a love for the world? There's a lot of things that I love about my wife, Sabrina. One of the things I love about her is her heart for other women and her heart for Muslim women. We uh, photographed a wedding in, in Chicago this, this past, uh, past year, and we were at the airport, and uh, there was a couple Muslim ladies, and, and they had 
um, some small kids with them. And one of them, man, was just a terror and was just, you know, screaming and everything else. And you could tell the mom was stressed. Guess what everyone was doing? They got up and walked away. And, and no one wanted to be around it, which part of me I don't blame because, you know, I'm around that all day. So, um, but my wife, I mean, it's, it's a little ways away, and we can, we can see them, but they're off in a distance. My wife says, hold on, and she goes over to that lady and talks to her and asks her if there's anything that she can help out with. Like, who does that? Someone that has the love of Jesus in their heart. Are you pursuing people? Listen, you're going to have an opportunity this week to pursue people. Will you walk away because you don't want to be inconvenienced? Or will you say, God, I know you're telling me to do something, and I want to be obedient. And it sounds crazy, but I'm going to do it. And when you do that, God will bless that, and he will give you more opportunities. He will give you greater opportunities when you are faithful with what's before you. You want to know some of the things I put in my journal? I do... I'm starting to do this now, the, the uh, you know, these, this four-part, this, 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 this worship, the personal, the bridge, and the kingdom. And so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do that more. I, I put sermon notes in mind. Bring, these, bring, the, bring your prayer journals on Thursdays and Sundays. Take notes because I know if you're taking notes, you're hungry to learn because you're not going to remember everything I said. So bring that with you. Other things I have in my prayer journals, I have pictures in there. Uh, you know, just happy memories and of, of my family. I got memorable, memorable moments. Um, our family and I went to uh, Beaufort this past, uh, past summer. We went to uh, Shuckleford Island, and we saw the wild horses. And, uh, and just seeing the smile on my kids' face as they were riding that boat, and we were going up and down, and, and just the joy. And, and uh, you know, I just came across the ticket from that boat ride, and I, and I put that in my journal. It's just a little, little reminder of, of God's goodness, man. Because you know what? God gives you little pieces of heaven on earth that we don't really realize. I put goals. I put goals, personal goals, family goals, church goals in my, in my journal. I put song lyrics. I write down song lyrics, edifying ones. I have a hit list. I have a hit list in my prayer journal of people that I, don't, that I know that don't know Jesus Christ. Some of you are on my hit list, and you're going to come to Christ this year. So I got my hit list in there. I got a to-do list. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a list guy, so I, I put my, my to-do stuff in there as well because I know I got to go back to find out what I got to do. And while I'm in there, I also look at some of the things that God's speaking to me that week. Listen, we drift as pastors we drift as believers, and we need each other. So let's do this together.